If you have your Bible this morning, your device, turn to, I'm going to start in the Song of Solomon. You don't have to put that up there yet, but what I want to do is we're talking about developing your faith, developing your faith, and I want to go on just a little bit of a journey. I want to talk about some things that uh, you, you know, some some passages of scriptures that uh, you are familiar with if you read the Bible at all, or, you know, you may have heard somebody preach on and so we're just going to start right here in the Song of Solomon. And some of you are saying, the Song of what? The Song of Psalms? The Song of Solomon? It's in the Bible. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a book in the Bible. If you know where Ecclesiastes is and Isaiah. Anybody ever heard of Isaiah? He's in there. All right, just go a little bit before Isaiah, and you'll get to the Song of Solomon. Okay? The Song of Solomon, chapter 2. Uh, I'm just going to look at one verse. Uh, one verse. Chapter 2. 2 verse 15 and it says this it says catch us the foxes the little foxes that spoil the vines for our vines have tender grapes now this also you can find in Ezekiel I believe around chapter uh, 13 and what the what God is telling the prophet Ezekiel here I'll show you how this is relevant to us is uh, that uh, there are false prophets in the nation, and they're spoiling my people. And he said they're like little foxes, little foxes. They come in and they spoil. And then the Song of Solomon says, catch us the foxes, for they spoil the vine. Over the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about little foxes that can spoil our faith walk. Little foxes that can spoil or foil our faith walk, okay? So I want to look at some passages of Scripture in the Bible, all right? We know that faith is to have a complete, unwavering confidence in something, someone, or a situation. We've established this. A person with faith cannot be persuaded to think otherwise about a given situation. You cannot be persuaded. You are going to stand strong. And in your standing and in your confession, sometimes there are little foxes that can come in. How many know the devil doesn't come as a uh, man dressed in red with horns and a tail and a pitchfork, obvious, so that you can see him? The Bible says that he will come as an angel of light because he's a deceiver. And that's what he'll do. He'll throw these little foxes. He'll bring some truth and throw a little fox in there and it'll spoil the whole thing. So that's what we want to talk about. Now we've talked about faith. How do you get faith? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? Word of God. Now remember last week we talked about that word, word of God. And in the Greek, does anybody remember the Greek word that it's translated from there in Romans? Anybody? Rhema, thank you. Rhema, yes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema word of God. So we hear what the Lord says, we obey that, and then we overcome. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. So listen, let's go on a little journey, some some passages of scriptures that you're familiar with. Turn to Matthew chapter number 14. Matthew chapter 14. And we're going to look, uh, I'm going to read, in fact, what I'm going to do is read all four of these passages first, and then we'll go back for a few moments and just 
kind of look at them and see uh, what we can get out of it. Matthew 14, verse 25, familiar passage, says this. It says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But, you got to watch out for the butts. Butts will get you every time. But, but when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Okay, let's look at another one. Flip over a few pages to Matthew 17. These are familiar passages. Matthew chapter 17, and we're going to start at verse 14. All right, this passage says, And when they had come to the multitude... A man came to him, kneeling down to him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and he came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said to them, because Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not come out except by prayer and fasting. This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. All right, a couple more. Let's go over to Mark. Just a few more pages over. Mark chapter 4. Translate it chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And let's start at verse 35. If you have it, say, I have it. Have it? Okay. Some have it, some don't. If you don't, you'll catch up. Mark 4 verse 35 says, And on the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. 
Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And the other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose. The waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? We are perishing. Then he arose and rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? All right, one last one. Flip a page over to Mark chapter 6. Mark 6, starting at verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, his own country, went to his own hometown. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are they not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to him, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Verse 5 says, Now he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. He marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. He went about the villages in a circuit teaching. These four passages are just four of many passages in the Bible where Jesus is giving us an example of how when we don't trust him and when we walk in unbelief, we don't realize the best that he has for us. We don't realize it. And I know that Jesus said that I come that you might have life, John 10, and you might have it, what? More abundantly. I didn't come so that you would have a subpar life. I didn't come so that you would live a life full of broken relationships. I didn't come that you would live a life of poverty. I didn't come that you would live a whole life of sickness and disease. I didn't come that you would live a life chained with habits and sin. It's not why I came. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And so when we look at these verses, these passages of scripture, first thing I want to start with is it's difficult to talk about the disciples Come on, because they later became the apostles and the foundation of the church. 
And I would venture to say that if some of us were in these situations, we would end up the same way and maybe even worse. Come on. All right. But it was put in here to give us an example so that we can extract out what God wants us to see. Doubt is a thief of the blessings of God. Doubt is a thief of the blessings of God. And it's one of the foxes that I want to talk about over the next couple weeks. Doubt, the thief of the blessings of God. The first thing that doubt brings in is fear. And the first thing that fear brings in is doubt. Come on, as soon as you're fearful, doubt begins to creep in. Now, when the disciples saw Jesus, they were afraid. They were scared. They were afraid because they didn't know what they were looking at. It was fear of the unknown. There are many things, saints, that we don't know. Maybe we don't know what's going on tomorrow. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But we do know who holds tomorrow. And in any situation, saints, we must hold on to the truth. Don't worry about what you don't know. But hold on to what you do know. And Psalms 119, 160 says, the entirety, of your wo- the entirety of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgments endures. Now that's something to hold on to. God's word is truth. They saw Jesus and they said, it is a spirit. But you must realize whenever the Lord comes on the scene... He immediately, usually says, be not afraid. Don't be afraid. I'm the God of the universe. I love to say I breathed and stars, because that's just amazing to me. I breathed and stars came out. I created the heavens and the earth. I spoke, let there be light, and there was light. I breathed into you, your dead body, the breath of life, and you came to life. Yes, I am magnificent, I am awesome, but do not be afraid because I am here for you. So he said, do not be afraid, it is I. Peter said, if it's you, Lord, bid me to come. There's a little hinge of doubt right there. The man just said, it's me. Peter said, if it's you, not since it's you. Now, I know some may say, well, come on now. You know, Peter, it was a, there was a storm. Peter didn't really know that it was Jesus. He, he really didn't know. So you, you need to give him a break. But in my spirit, I tend to lean toward the fact that it wasn't so much that, Jesus, that Peter didn't know that it was Jesus. Come on, I'm, I'm going to show you this. But I think he was just afraid. Fear had already gripped him. And his eyes were on the circumstances. If my family is in a room like this, and there were a thousand people in here, a thousand people, and my daughter Renee said, Mom, and everybody was talking, I guarantee you, Dietrich would say, Yes, what? Where are you? 
she would recognize her. If she said it loud enough, she would recognize her voice. Think about when you were young. Some of you may have been like me, playing outside, sticks, football, t-ball, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, you hear a voice. Michael, time to come home. I don't know where the voice came from. It was just a voice out of the sky. But something happened and my legs just started going home. Because my body knew. Come on. Somebody know what I'm talking about. I mean, at least my behind knew. Well, we going home. I don't know what you're doing. But she's called. And I knew it was my mother. How did I know it was my mother? Somebody tell me how you know that it's your mother when she calls. How do you know that? You recognize her voice. How do, you rec- how do you know it's her? Because it could be any mother. How do you know it's your mother? Come on, think about it a little bit. You know it. You hear her all the time. You've spent your entire life with this woman. Times when you didn't want to be with her, she was there. Talking. Telling you stuff. <laughs> Come on. Or your dad. Same thing. My father-in-law, boy, he could, he could talk now. God rest his soul. I didn't want to cross him because he started talking. He wouldn't slug me. I said, Dad, just hit me. Just slug me. He started talking, boy. But you know your mom's voice. You know your father's voice. You know your children's voice, even in the midst of a crowd. The Bible even says, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. So, Even with the waves and the wind, boisterous, and the storm going on, I believe that that Peter and the disciples recognized Jesus' voice when he said, Do not be afraid, it is I. But instead of trusting the voice that they heard, they were gripped by fear because of the circumstances. Do you know that you could be in a situation where the Lord is speaking to you, but because of the circumstances, you're gripped with fear and you don't want to move forward. The Lord is talking to you. He's speaking. You have the word of the Lord in your hand, but because of the circumstances that are around you, you're gripped with fear. And that's what happened here. But Jesus shined that on and he said, Come on, Peter. Come on. It's me. I know you don't believe it. You know my voice, but you come on. So Peter said, all right. He stepped down out of the boat, began to walk on the water. He began to walk on the water. Now, before you talk about Peter, have you ever walked on the water? Peter did walk on the water. And he walked out, and then, what does the Bible say? He saw. Jesus never told him to saw. But he saw. Now, I'm not talking about him because I've done it lots of times. Right? Oh, the voice of the Lord's call, I'm going here. What, what is that? Shiny object, saw, circumstances, someone saying something. I remember the, the enemy put something in my mind that happened last time. Wasn't even thinking about it. And all of a sudden it comes up in your mind. Oh my goodness, that's right. Last time we failed at this. He saw. He saw 
the storm. He saw the circumstances and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Our faithful Lord Jesus Christ, even in our doubt, will reach down if we would just call out to him. Just call out. That's why I love the parable that Jesus told about the man who was praying and he said, do you believe? And, and the man said, yes, Lord, I do believe. It wasn't a parable. Yes, I do believe, but help thou my unbelief. He had a pure heart. So there's something to be said for that. But God wants to get us to the place where we walk by faith, not by sight. Don't saw. Unless you're cutting some wood, then you can saw. But the circumstances around you don't saw. That's not what God wants you to do. Come on. So he saw and he began to sink. Jesus picked him up, took him back to the boat, got in the boat, and he asked him a question. First of all, we have to realize before we get to the question what Peter was really walking on. Peter wasn't walking on water, really. Come on. Nobody can walk on water. Go try it. Come on. But because the word of the Lord came out, come on, the word changed the situation and Peter began to walk on the word. That's the literal definition of walking on the word. You heard people say, I'm walking on the word. Well, Peter showed you what walking on the word means. You can't just get up one day and say, walk on water, walk on water, walk on water seven times or go out and jump out of a boat and walk on water. Jesus never told you to do it. There's no word. Come on. If there's no word, faith don't work. Faith only works in the word. You with me? So he walked on his word because Jesus spoke that word. If Peter didn't recognize his voice, that would tell me that Peter hadn't spent any time with Jesus. If you, come on now, don't let me get behind here. Don't throw no stones. If you don't recognize the voice of the Lord in your life, could it be that you might need to spend a little more time with him? Come on. Okay, nobody throwing. All right, good. Could it be that you need to spend a little time in prayer? At least a little time. Come on. Could it be that you might need to read his word just a little bit to find out his modus operandi? How does, the, how does the Lord operate? What, what is he all about? Does he really love me? Does it say it in there? Let me see for myself. Come on. He got him back to the boat and he asked a question. He said, what, 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 why did you doubt? Now notice something. He didn't say, why did you look at the wind and the waves? He didn't say, why did you look at your circumstances? He said, why did you doubt? Jesus calls looking at your circumstances doubt, in case you didn't know. If you're in a situation and you're just looking at your circumstances, that's what the Lord calls doubt. If it ain't working, could it be one of these foxes, the fox of doubt? Come on. Many, most people are willing to believe more than they are willing to do. We must have, I'll say that again. Most people are willing to believe more than they're willing to do. I believe it. I'll say it. But now doing it, come on. 
That's another story. There must be corresponding action along with your belief and your confession. All right, over in Matthew 17, the disciples couldn't heal the boy. I, looking at this, you know, he, the man brought his son to Jesus. He said, I, I first took him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do the job. I don't know what happened. They're supposed to be, you know, the mighty disciples, but they couldn't do it. They came to Jesus later, remember, and said, why, why can we not cast it out? Why can we not heal him? And he said, because of your unbelief. Now listen, just the fact that they asked the question, why could we not do it, told me that they believed that they could do it. They must have believed that they could do it, just the fact that they asked the question. So now I'm thinking, it's not so much that they could not do it. The man did say they couldn't do it. But I don't know that I believe that they could not do it. They did not do it. They had the power to do it. Okay, uh, go over to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. This happened, what I'm about to show you, happened before this situation with the little boy. Okay? This happened before because it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, we all might not believe that they uh, had the power to do it. Some might say, well, maybe they really didn't have the power yet. I mean, Jesus wasn't resurrected. You know, he hadn't died on the cross and resurrected. He hadn't sent his spirit. So maybe they, only Jesus could heal at this time. They couldn't do it. Well, let me just show you something. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1 says, And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power, authority, over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. So in case you were wondering if they had the power, they had the power. I got the power. <laughs> Jesus gave them power to do this very thing, to cast out demons and to heal this sick boy. But they did not do it. Here is an example of having the word of God in your hands, knowing the will of God but not accomplishing what he wants you to accomplish. Knowing the will of God, hearing the will of God, but not accomplishing the will of God. You know, a lot of people use the excuse, well, I didn't know what God wanted me to do. These people here knew what God wanted them to do and still did not accomplish it, even though they'd done it before. Even though they had walked with Jesus, for some reason, this time, it didn't work. How many times have we done something before, but then try to do it again, and for some reason, there's still doubt. There's still an element of doubt. There's still unbelief there in our heart. Doubt, saints, is a thief. It will rob you. It will rob you blind. And you have to fight it in every instance. Just because it happened once and you overcame, the devil is still on his job. I won't give him any glory, but I will tell you this. He is always on his job. We must always be on ours. 
to believe the Lord in every situation. And he says prayer and fasting is the only way that these kind come out. You know what that tells me? That we need to keep in communication with the master. That's what Paul meant to me when he said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. I go one time, have a great service, maybe even preach a, a great rare word. Come on, lay hands on somebody. Somebody gets healed. And now all of a sudden, yeah, that's right. Now I've arrived. I hear from the Lord, you know. Next time, go out and get my butt kicked. Come on. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. It's the Holy Spirit of God working through you. And you're moving based on the word that God gave you. God gave them a word, but yet still they weren't able to do it. Stay in communication with the master. Mark 4, Jesus said, got into the boat and said, let us go to the other side. He didn't say, let us go halfway and drown. Let us go as far as we can go unless it starts to get a little windy. Then we might have to turn around. Let us go a little ways until we get tired. No. He said, let us go to the other side. Let us get over there. Now, when Jesus speaks the word, look, I want you to do this, and you can go, and you have a purpose, and you have a vision. Doesn't mean there won't be circumstances. Come on. There will be circumstances, but there is a special place reserved for the overcomer. Come on. How many want to be overcomers this morning? Overcome your circumstances. Psalm 138.2, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. You have magnified your word even above all your name. The word of the Lord is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Come on. And when you have the word of the Lord in your hands, there is no reason to doubt they not only had the word of the Lord spoken to them, they had the word of the Lord walking with them and weren't able to always accomplish it. How many of us have gone through storms? Maybe even some are going through storms at this moment. Things that keep you awake at night. Jesus was able to sleep in the midst of the storm. Boat rocking. He's down there on a the pillow. Sleep. And all of a sudden, the disciples saw. They look, and they see the circumstances. What's the first thing they do? Do they try to speak to the situation? Do they try to use faith that they've learned Jesus already told them in previous instances? Where is your faith? What did they do? They ran to Jesus. Wake up! Do you not care that we're drowning? They have confessed their demise right before the Lord. Do you not care that we're drowning? When I read this before, I didn't remember Jesus saying, let's go until we start drowning. He said, let us go to the other side. So where did drowning come into play? Where did perishing come into play? Jesus never said we're going to perish. Why would they then believe that they're going to perish? Why did you doubt why did you doubt? They already confessed that they were going down. This is why sometimes you got to be careful who you get in the boat with. Come on, it's the truth. It is the truth. 
you're going to go into business with somebody, you be careful. Is it a negative person? Is it a fearful person? Come on. You're going to lock arms with someone? You're going to get into a relationship with someone, young people? Are they fearful? Are they doubtful? Or are they going somewhere? Are they standing on the word of God? Come on. Be careful who you get in the boat with. He said, how is it this time that you have no faith? None. I don't know if he was upset because they woke him up. What in the world? You got no faith. I just said we're going to the other side. You come and wake me up and say we're perishing. Don't you think I knew the circumstance was out there? Come on. But I'm trying to get you to the other side. Jesus called confessing doubt when you confess negative situations and you confess unbelief, Jesus calls it doubt. You got to watch what comes out of your mouth. We're going to have to clean up our speech. Come on. I do too. I have to look in the mirror and clean up my speech sometimes. Because when I confess, when, when I know one thing, but something different comes out of my mouth, Jesus calls it doubt. When they confessed that they were perishing, he said, no faith. No faith. None. He didn't say, why do you have little faith this time? So if you're talking and you know the word of the Lord, but you begin to talk contrary to that word, no faith. I didn't say it. Don't throw stones at me. Jesus said it. They could have easily done what Jesus did. They could have went up on the stern and said, peace, be still. That's not thinking more highly of yourself than you are. You have the word of God there. He's sleeping. I'm not going to wake up Jesus. Come on. He gave us power and authority. So why wake him up? Why wake him up when you have the word in your hands. And then finally, Mark 6, 1, he could do no mighty works there. He went to his own hometown. Who does he think he is? The Bible said that they were offended. Come on, isn't he a person just like me? Doesn't he have brothers and sisters just like I do? That's the way people are going to treat you when you're following the word of the Lord. Who does she think she is? She's always speaking positive and talking about I'm going to overcome. She sees what's going on at this company. She sees what's going on here at the church. She sees what's going on here in the family. And still she just speaks positive. Who does she think she is? That's the way you'll be talked about. Certainly if Jesus was talked about that way, that's what's going to happen. But you can't let that discourage you. you got to continue to move forward. The Bible said this. He could do no mighty works there. He could. He could not. It didn't say he wouldn't. He was willing to do mighty works. You know, he had gone all over. He had traveled all over the place. Come on. Healing people, healing blind eyes, woman with the issue of blood, centurion's servant. Come on. Done all this. Raised people from the dead. What about your own hometown, Jesus? This is where you're from. Have you forgotten about us? He comes back there, and they say, well, who does he think he is? I knew him when he was a boy. I knew him when his father was teaching him how to make tables 
And now here he is teaching in the synagogue, talking about healing people and, and people overcoming. Who does he think he is? He was willing to do mighty works, but he could not because of what? No faith, their unbelief. The Bible says he marveled at their unbelief. Here I am. You have heard of what great works I have done. And here I am because my heart, I have compassion even on my own hometown. I am here to heal. I am here to restore. And here you are. Who do you think you are? No faith, no belief. I am is here to heal you. I am here to heal you. To cast out devils, but you're filled with unbelief. The blessing of God is in your midst. Yet you are rejecting it because of your doubt. So what did he do? He, he was willing to do it, but he could not do it. You know what he had to do? It says he went about teaching. He had to start over and teach them again. How many times, we've talked about this before, how many times you're going to go around the mountain, get to a certain point, then you start confessing unbelief, you have doubt in your heart. Guess what? Now you've regressed, and the Lord has to begin to teach you again. Go around the mountain once again. And you can go around as many times as you want to until the day you die. Come on. But if you want to go forward in the Lord, you're going to have to take that step. Jesus taught. He taught them. I love preaching. I really do. Because we want to we want to be inspired. But if you go to church on Sunday morning and you hear somebody yell and scream and you go, "Woo! That was a great message. That was great. I'm inspired. I'm emotionally moved." But now you have no idea how to apply what you heard, maybe you don't even know what you heard, come on, and you don't know how to apply it to your everyday life, what good has it done you but inspire you for a moment? Preaching is great, and we absolutely need it. The Lord knows we need to be inspired. I know I do. But we also need teaching. Preaching is inspirational. Teaching is informational. Once we're inspired, we have to have the information to be able to do with it what the Lord wants us to do with it. Come on. Preaching without the information will make you a zealous fool. Come on. Having information without being inspired will make you a lazy bum. A smart lazy bum. Come on. We need both. What do we see? In these four very familiar stories, Matthew 14, Peter was robbed of walking on water, just like Jesus. He was robbed of a great uh, experience. Jesus was robbed of showing Peter something miraculous. Peter had seen Jesus do miraculous things to other people. But when it came to himself, he robbed himself and the other disciples of that great experience. Have you robbed yourself of a great experience with the Lord, an opportunity to overcome? Come on. Matthew 17, the disciples failed to cast out a demon. They robbed that father of some peace. Come on. The child could have been delivered 
And the disciples could have had a great experience before, he, sooner than when they got to Jesus. Come on. Robbed of all those experiences. The disciples never did get that experience because Jesus had to cast it out. Robbed. Mark chapter 4, the disciples were afraid of the storm. Even though they had the word of God on the boat with them, they were robbed or they robbed themselves of a great experience with the Lord, being able to exercise their faith. They even robbed Jesus of some sleep. Come on. Man, sleep on the pillow. Had dominion over the storm, didn't use it. Mark 6, Jesus was in his own hometown. You'd think that if there was any place that Jesus would get support, it would be where? In his own hometown. You hear about all the miracles and healing in other towns, but when he comes back to his own hometown, there is unbelief. So he had to go back teaching. He had to go back to the beginning. He had to go back to the beginning. There are things, saints. Maybe you've been a person who you read your word. I do read the Bible. Maybe you pray. Listen, I have a prayer life. I pray to the Lord. I come to church. I confess the word. But yet still, it seems like I'm getting beat over the head sometimes. Seems like I, it just seems like I should be more advanced than this in life, in my spiritual life I'm talking about. Could it be one of the foxes that's spoiling the vine? I like to delve in and look at every area of a situation to make sure everything is covered. You can't just wake up. Listen, you cannot just wake up and say, boom, I'm a Christian, everything is beautiful. Come on. The storm will come. The wind will come. The waves will come. And if that thing, come on, remember the parable of the seeds? The sower and the seeds? If that thing is not planted deep in your heart, if you don't know that you know that you know the first storm that comes along, you'll be blown over. You'll start confessing negative things and you'll be going down. And it'll be over. Come on. But where God wants to take us is to a place where we walk by faith and not by sight. Remember, I talked about this. We are at a place, saints, in our lives. Come on. We are at a place right now in our lives where all of our education is great. All of our experience is great. All of the things that we learned in the past are great. But a word from the Lord for you this morning is that you are at a place where you're going to have to start discerning. You've got to start discerning in situations. And maybe you're saying, I just don't know what that means. I don't know what you're talking about to discern. Think about Peter in the boat when Jesus said, be not afraid, it is I. You're able to discern when you know the master. Come on. When you read his word, you pray and you get it down in your spirit. Then you're able to discern. Stop relying only, only now on your experience, only on your previous knowledge that you've learned. Now, those are all there for a reason. They, it's all there for a reason. Come on. But you are at a place. Come on, this is a word for you. You're at a place where you've got to start discerning. Because if you're like me, you're tired 
of having the same old thing over and over happen in your life, not advancing spiritually, whatever it may be. And God is saying to you, you want to move forward? Begin to discern. Walk by faith, not by sight. That's what God wants for us to do. There are a few other foxes that I really believe spoil the vine. Next week, we're going to do a graduation Sunday, but in the, in the week to come after that, we're going to talk about some other foxes that sometimes we just don't think about. Sometimes we know about them. We know doubt. We, we understand that we do, we do not doubt. Do not doubt in your heart. We understand that. But sometimes you get in situations. It's easy to say here on Sunday morning, that's right, pastor. That's right. Doubt. You're, that's exactly right. I already knew that. But, you know, preach it anyway. That's good. And I, I hear it again. You already know it. But Tuesday at 2.30, you're at work. Come on. Somebody says something to you. You don't even remember Sunday. That's why it can't just be about Sunday. You got to read your Bible on Monday. And then on Tuesday, you got to pray. That way at 2.30, is no question. You don't have to remember. You don't even have to remember what we talked about today. Because the word of the Lord is with you. Come on. We have to begin to discern.